This is The Guardian. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. It's not just humans that are suffering the harms of the climate crisis. An alarming new report just released by the UN that says roughly one million species are on the verge of extinction, more than any other time in recorded history. The Earth's biodiversity is in distress. And this is a system already under huge pressure, facing threats from every angle. Deforestation, pollution, pesticides. Plastics take millennia to break down and decompose. They pose a particular threat to the oceans and marine life. Yet production of plastics is set to increase. We're destroying the natural world. And the future of humanity is hanging in the balance. But there's a chance to make a difference if action is taken immediately. How do we do it? Right now, in conference halls in Switzerland, countries from around the world are scrambling to pull together targets for the end of this decade that could help us save nature, to be signed off at a major conference in China later this year. The city of Kunming is hosting the United Nations COP15 meeting. That's where world leaders will discuss solutions to better protect nature. But when basically everything is at stake and up for discussion, Will negotiators be able to come up with an agreement in time? And is it going to be enough? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Patrick Greenfield, as a biodiversity and environment reporter for The Guardian, you're currently in Geneva. So what are you doing there? So I'm here by Lake Geneva. It's very beautiful. Watching negotiators from almost every country in the world trying to come up with this decade's targets for the global biodiversity framework. So they are a list of goals and targets that the world will agree to stop the destruction of the natural world. We didn't do very well on last decade's targets. They were agreed in Japan 
and pretty much we didn't meet any of them. There's a real effort now to make sure that doesn't happen again. The scientific warnings about the state of the natural world are pretty bleak. We're living through the sixth mass extinction of life on Earth, driven by humans. And this is the mechanism through which we actually do something about it. How exactly is that happening? Each country has its own negotiating team and there's a massive Word document right now that I'm following and have spent the weekend watching where everyone's got their own suggestions on targets and goals and they're all competing over the language and trying to get their country's interest in that. But this is all leading on to a big cop in China later this year where the final text, we hope, will be agreed and signed off by countries. And that, we hope, will be a Paris moment, a turning point for biodiversity, for the state of the planet. That meeting, which will hopefully be in Kunming in China, is COP15. But of course, most of us associate COP with the climate meetings, like COP26 in Glasgow last year. So what is this one and why are we going backwards in numbers? Right. So this is a different environmental convention with the UN, the Convention on Biological Diversity. They meet every two years. And so that's why we're a little bit further behind in numbers. But we're not talking about 1.5 and 2 degrees here and all the things that we're used to reading about and that indeed you and I were were watching together in, in Glasgow at the end of last year. This is about essentially everything else, how we manage land, agriculture, finances, all related to those ecosystems that that support us. And in many ways, because of that, it's more complicated. Now, the UN had this tagline, 2020 is going to be a super year for biodiversity. And that would be the kind of the turning point for biodiversity and life on Earth. And we know that didn't happen. I was actually at the previous meeting in, in March 2020 in Rome, where the spectre of COVID kind of first appeared. Then the world shut down. And this is actually the first time negotiators have seen each other since then. They've tried to keep the momentum going with hybrid meetings and and Zoom calls, um, but we're trying to get things going again and really make sure that that agreement that will be for eight years now, right, uh, not not ten, still has the ambition necessary to do something about these challenges that we're facing. Let's talk about those challenges because I want to really understand the importance of this agreement and why everyone is so keen to keep this momentum up because. Climate obviously has this limit of 1.5 degrees and we understand the critical importance of keeping below 1.5 degrees for the health of the planet and everything on it, including ourselves. But why are these talks so vital? What state is biodiversity in? Nature, the natural world, is in crisis, right? Species extinctions are incredibly high and they're being driven by human behavior often the same behaviors that are driving the climate crisis and indeed climate change is a driver of biodiversity loss too so there is some overlap there but the land clearing the pollution the overproduction of crops those are all things that kill and wipe out habitat for other species and at some point that is going to start threatening the ecosystems that we humans depend on to keep civilization going And so we can't keep going on like this and essentially abusing the planet in this way and living beyond our means. So this Word document that everyone's discussing at the moment is probably one of the most important Word documents out there right now. But it also sounds really complicated. Tell me a bit more about this agreement and what's going into it. 
Sure. So to add yet more complexity to this, the Convention on Biodiversity has three pillars. The first relates to conservation, national parks, areas that we're going to restore, controlling invasive species, that kind of thing. The other is the sustainable use of planet's resources, how we need biodiversity for the water we drink, for food. We need to obviously have a system that's sustainable for that so that we can all live and thrive on the planet. And so that's the second section. And the third that is particularly controversial and could actually derail everything is about biopiracy. The Africa group, Latin America group are particularly concerned about how often rich Western countries are using digital versions of their biodiversity in drugs, in food, in materials. And they want a global mechanism to be paid for that biodiversity. And especially the Africa group are saying, well, we're not going to have an agreement in Kunming unless that is included. That's a red line for them. And that's something that I'll be closely following because that could ruin everything. Each of the pillars that you've mentioned there, each of the themes, conservation, sustainable use of biodiversity and the fair sharing of benefits from genetic resources, all sound like they have a huge scope. So I can imagine these are not easy negotiations. But what are some of the main aims under review right now? I think it's probably actually easier to start with the climate convention on this one, really. So that 1.5 degrees that we're hearing a lot about at the moment, that was the result of something called the High Ambition Coalition, right? They wanted to go above and beyond to make sure 1.5 degrees was included. And the band has got back together, roughly the same group of countries, and they are backing something called 30 by 30. So they want 30% of land and sea protected by the end of this decade. And that is being led by Costa Rica, the UK and France. Another target, which was a big failure of the targets for the the previous decade, was subsidies. There are billions and billions of dollars of subsidies that countries have that are terrible for the environment and don't actually benefit humans. They often relate to overproduction of crops and paying farmers to use more uh, pesticides and chemicals than they need. And they cause algal blooms and wipe out insects. And there's a real effort to do something about that in this agreement, too. And so we're at the the stage where everybody's got their own edit suggestions from Bolivia to the DRC to the UK. And they're arguing over what should be be included and what shouldn't. And the, the chairs have to find compromise between everybody on these targets. There is a lot that's got to go into this agreement. How much detail has been achieved so far? What state is that word document in? Because the talks are supposed to wrap up this evening, so there isn't very long left. Negotiations here were slow last week, not going particularly well. Leading NGOs like WWF and the Nature Conservancy were warning we're really running out of time on on this. But we're at the stage where we have... Several different suggestions from countries on targets, and some of them have got kind of three or four different options now. And they're what what is meant to be a couple of lines has expanded to a page or or so. And when there's disagreement in these meetings, you put that section in brackets. So there's brackets all over the place, and the process of removing those brackets that will be kicked into um, into the meetings in China. That's what countries will start tussling about. And I think actually this agreement has got so complicated that even some of the negotiators in the countries have struggled with it themselves. The the message really from, from the scientists is that we need 
to do well on every single one of these targets. You can't pick and choose. You can't just say, oh, we're going to do our little bit on invasive species and, and not on plastics pollution or or nitrogen pollution from agriculture. We need to do it all. We need to be taking action on subsidies, pollution, increasing protected areas, enhancing and um, protecting ind- indigenous rights, the whole lot. Patrick, this is the first of many conferences, which, if all goes to plan, will take us to the official COP15 conference in Kunming in China, which means that China are the ones leading on these talks, much like the UK was for COP26 last year. Have they been pushing to make sure that this is a success? Oh, um, so so this, this is a difficult area where geopolitics comes in. We know China, as things stand, has a zero COVID policy and is continuing to pursue that. Life in China is definitely not like it is in the UK right now. What that means for Kunming, we still don't know. So Kunming was actually meant to take place in April and early May and on the consort of that. We know, I mean, I've been told it's going to happen at the end of August, early September, but we still don't know. Crucially, how we're going to get there and also the logistics for everything else that goes around a COP. So, I mean, as, as you and I saw and, and loved seeing in, in Glasgow, Leonardo DiCaprio, Greta, all the world leaders show up, give it a real bit of oomph and bring the attention and the eyes of the world there. And is that going to be possible under China's zero COVID regime at the moment? It's a real shame because this is the first time China has ever held the presidency for a COP, right? climate cop, biodiversity cop. And China is an enormously environmentally destructive country, but it can also do a lot about it. It's it's a superpower around the world. And as we've seen with the Paris Agreement and France, countries that oversee these major agreements will have ownership over that. And having a country like China with an agreement on nature and the related terms that are key to Xi Jinping's presidency, this thing called ecological civilization, which is a next stage of China's development, that's going to really impact and influence our, our lives. And it's important for all of us that China feels ownership of this. And I'm still not convinced it's going to be in Kunming. Well, I guess we'll see if you make it to Kunming in August, Patrick. But right now, I'll leave you to jump back into the fray. Thank you so much. Thanks, Maddie. That was Patrick Greenfield reporting from Geneva. You can find a link to his coverage of COP15 and the road to Kunming on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And whilst you're there, you'll also find a link to a survey we're running to find out more about how and why you listen to Guardian podcasts. So if you've got a few minutes, please do take part. We'd love to hear from as many people as possible. You can also find the survey at www.guardiansurveys.com forward slash podcast. That's it for today. The producer was me, Madeline Finley. The sound design was by Tony Onachuku. And the executive producers were Max Anderson and Danielle Stevens. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. This is The Guardian.
Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.